Hey everybody, Sean Sewell with Ingamer.com. Welcome to Ingamer.com podcast. Super excited to have my friend Jim, Jim Lamacusa from Cusa Tea on the show. He's got a local tea and now coffee uh, company. We have a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Backcountry skiing, fitness, small business, and the chaos of business right now. So Jim, welcome to the show. Hey Sean, can't wait to chat with you more about it. And I really appreciate you taking some time. I mean, you were one of the first supporters of Kusa Tea and puts, put us on the map really with retailers and consumers knowing about us. And now that we're launching Kusa Coffee, it's a great, great opportunity to chat some more. Oh, I love it. I'm drinking the coffee right now. It's so good. I was joking with Jim before we started recording. Uh, this is my fourth or fifth cup of your coffee. <laughs> yeah. So this interview is going to go fast. <laughs> so amped. <laughs> No, it's great. Like I have all the, the teas, a, a nice variety of your teas. I always have them in my truck and in my backpack. And then you send over the little care package with the, the coffees that you have a Kickstarter for right now. And that's yep. very well funded. You're kicking butt, man. It's yeah. awesome. It's going um, well. I'm glad to hear that. And we'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. Well, Jim, let's talk a little bit about you. You've, you've got a lot of background in uh, outdoor retail mm-hmm. stuff and, and business. What brought you into the, the tea world? Yeah. So, I mean, I'd actually have to take it back to my college days. So I went to the University of Colorado in Boulder and studied business and I wanted to study abroad. I've always wanted to travel and work and live abroad. And so I I looked at the programs that they had at at University of Colorado for business school and basically Hong Kong was an option. And I've always been like drawn to Asia. And so long story short is I ended up going to Hong Kong to study abroad. And so I studied international business there. And as part of the program, the first three weeks, they took us through mainland China to kind of introduce the culture. And, and one of the things that they did is they took us to a tea shop and tea shops in Asia are completely different than anything you've ever seen in America. Like you walk in and there are, I'm going to say a thousand different tins lining the walls and you sit down at this table and it's these carved wooden tables and they have a water like jug underneath it or water bucket and so they'll make you the tea right there and like they'll pour it and the water will flow through and they clean the cups before they serve it to you and so all the water runs into the bucket underneath but it's like this beautiful experience and so they start and they say what kind of tea do you like and I grew up in Cleveland Ohio like I grew up with my mom drinking Lipton tea and I tried it a few times and it tasted bitter and awful. And yeah. So I never really was much of a tea drinker. And so I told them, I have no idea what kind of tea that I like. And so they started and they're like, okay, well, we're going to give you black tea, green tea, oolong tea. And so I tasted those three and I said, Ooh, I, I mean, I really like them all, but l- let's, let's try some more green teas. And so then they gave me like uh, a Darjeeling green tea. They gave me a jasmine green tea and so they whittled it down into five or six different types of green tea and then I said oh I like this one the best and then they would give you more options so it's like it kept going keep going further and further down the rabbit hole but by the end of there that like hour that we spent there I walked away with $300 worth of loose leaf tea which is a lot of loose leaf tea when you're buying in Asia Um, and that experience really turned me into a tea drinker and I I, when I came, so I, that was in college. So I studied international business there for a semester. And then once I graduated, my wife and I met in school and we got married right out of college. And then we both wanted to go back to Asia. And so we moved uh, and we did, we taught English in Thailand for a year. And then my wife had studied abroad in Nepal. And so we wanted to go, I've never been in Nepal and I wanted to go back and she wanted to show me it. So we went to Nepal and we ended up just falling in love 
with the culture and we learned to meditate and we went mountaineering. And so I did a bunch of mountains over 20,000 feet hiking and skiing and like the Himalayas are like nothing else in the world. And so we ended up spending in total two and a half years living in Asia. And Asia is so much more of a tea drinking culture than they are for coffee. And so that whole time I was just drinking tea. And so when I came back to America and we, you know, eventually we ran out of money and had to come back and get real jobs. And so, uh, you know, I started drinking coffee again when my first real job and I started developing acid reflux. And so I ended up narrowing it down to uh, coffee was one of the things that can do it. And so I, it wasn't a hard choice for me to just start drinking tea again. But I, I remember being that guy in the office, like everybody else is drinking coffee and I, I had my tea bags, but um, it's fine. Now it's, it's becoming a lot more accepted and I think it's one of the fastest growing beverages in America. So, you know, for the last 15 years, I've been involved in the outdoor industry with Dinafit and Salewa. I've been involved with the grocery industry with Good Belly, which is a probiotic juice drink. I was in the food service industry with Eco Products, which makes the compostable and biodegradable food service packaging like plates and cups. And, and so it was back in 2015 that uh, I worked for a small water bottle company here in Boulder. It ended up going out of business and I got laid off. But during that time, I realized, you know, I've worked for some fast growing startups here in Colorado and I've always wanted to have my own business. But I've seen enough that if you don't have an innovative idea in an emerging category, it's going to be really hard to succeed. And so the idea for Kusa Tea came when I was on a backpacking trip and all my buddies were carrying Starbucks via instant coffee packets and I was carrying around wet soggy tea bags. And I, you know, you can't just chuck those into the woods. You have to pack them out. It's like the only thing on a backpacking trip that's heavier hiking out than when you go in. Yeah. And so I, but so I would put them in this Ziploc bag and carry them out. And one day I just, I didn't seal the Ziploc bag completely. And by the time I got to camp that night, all of my clothes were covered in wet tea juice. And I was cold. And I was like this light bulb moment though, of like, why hasn't anybody made the Starbucks via, but for tea. Yeah. And so I went back and I did some research and I saw that, yeah, there is instant tea out there like Lipton and Nest tea have it. But when you read the ingredients, it's nothing that I'd want to put in my body. Right. It's like the first ingredient is sugar and then some sort of a flavoring and then an additive and then a preservative and maltodextrin and it's just stuff you can't even pronounce. So anyway, so I said, I don't want to make a tea company that has anything other than just tea or tea and fruit or tea and spices. Mm -hmm. And so it, that kicked me off like a year and a half of R and D process. And to make a long story short, there's, there's basically two methods that existed before what we do to dehydrate beverages. And so the first method is called spray drying and that's high heat dehydration. So you take, and this is applicable to coffee as well. So um, with spray drying, you either boil the coffee or the tea Once it's boiled, then they strain out the tea leaves and the coffee, and then they move it into a a machine that's a thousand degree air fan. So it's a thousand degree heat that gets, and then the tea and coffee get sprayed into that air fan. And so that high pressure and high temperature evaporate the water. But the problem is, is that with any, with tea or coffee or pretty much any beverage, if you put it through a thousand degrees, it's gonna change the flavor. And so that's why, most, I mean, a lot of instant coffees taste burned. And same thing with tea, like they Lipton and Nest tea, they use spray drying for their tea. And then they have to add in sugar and flavorings because otherwise it's like unpalatable. That makes sense. 
And then the other process is freeze drying, which people are probably more familiar with. And that's really cold temperature dehydration. It's like negative 212 degrees. Um, it, it does give a better result than spray drying, but the problem is, is that with that cold temperature, it still degrades the flavor. And so like there's never been an instant tea or instant coffee that tastes like a fresh cup. And so I tried both of those methods. They both failed. I was thinking that maybe if we use different quality tea, like a little mm -hmm. bit higher quality or something, we could make it work. And ultimately it didn't. And I had spent $75,000 of my wife and my savings to try to make this work. Yep. And uh, like ultimately after that, after, this was like nine months in, I, I told my wife, you know what, honey, I'm not going to launch the company. I'm going to go back and get a real job again. I just don't want to launch a brand that's not going to work. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was in, I was brushing my teeth one night and I was bored and I read the back of her eye cream and every night she puts on this rose eye cream and it smells like rose petals and the back of the box, it said rose extract. And so I started wondering how are they getting rose petals into an eye cream? And when I researched this botanical extraction process, it got me super excited because they don't use high heat or freeze drying either. They essentially, they use, well, I'll get a little bit more into the process in a second, but um, so I reached out to some botanical extraction companies and said, hey, would you be open to partnering with me to try to make an instant tea product? And one of them was really excited about it. And so we, long story short, we worked in tandem together over the, over the course of two months to modify their process, this botanical process to use for a food purpose. And so what we end up doing, there's basically two main steps. So this works same with both tea and coffee. It's the same process. And so first we have to brew it without using heat. Because if you use heat, it's like if you make a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and you leave it sitting and the water gets cold, when you taste it, it tastes really bitter because mm -hmm. the tannins come out. So um, we cold brew the coffee and tea. So we take real coffee, real tea, organic tea leaves, uh, Rainforest Alliance certified coffee. Um, we do have some fruit flavors like the lemon coffee and we've got mango green tea. So we use real fruit, um, no flavorings at all. So we put all of that into room temperature water. And then one of the secrets is that we pressurize the water. So this piston comes down and pressurizes it to 500 PSI. Wow. And then we leave it for six hours. And so that pressure encourages the tea leaves or the coffee to steep into room temperature water. And then giving it six hours is similar to cold brew where you leave something in your fridge for 24 hours. But with that pressure, we can speed up the process. So at the end of that six hours, we release the pressure, we strain out the used coffee and tea, we compost it and use it as fertilizer in the organic tea farms. So I think we're the only tea company in the world that can claim that their leaves go right back into the soil. That's so cool. And then we move, then we've got just liquid coffee or tea left that moves into a machine. It's called a vacuum dehydrator, but what's happening inside is evaporative dehydration. So you, you live in Colorado, you know how fast things dry here mm -hmm. because our humidity is so low. Mm -hmm. So inside this machine, we fill, it looks like a mini submarine and you can see pictures of it on our website, but the, we fill this machine up halfway with tea or coffee, and then we put 0% humidity air above it. And so it creates a pressure differential. So the water that's in the tea or the coffee, it rapidly evaporates into the air above it. Once it hits 40% inside the machine, we vent it out and put 0% back in and let it run. And it takes about six cycles for the tea or coffee to lose all of its water, but that's all it's losing. The flavor, the aroma, the caffeine, the active antioxidants, none of that evaporates. Wow. It's really only the water that's evaporating. So at the end, you're left with these 
tea or coffee crystals and they're starving for moisture because we just took it all out. So the moment you add it back to hot or cold water, it just dissolves. Like if you do, if you put the crystals in your cup first and pour water on it, you don't even have to stir. Yeah. They put it in a water bottle and shake it up. So it's super convenient. So I launched with tea three years ago and it's been a wild ride ever since then. Um, we, you know, we got uh, luckily because of my days at DinaFit, we were able to get into REI really quickly. And so we've been in REI since the beginning nationwide. We got into King Supers, an awesome yep. local grocery store chain, and they have a locals um, like an end cap in the store just for yep. local brands. And so we've been there ever since. And then we did so well, we were the best selling item. So they moved us into the tea section too. So now we're in like 2,500 grocery stores nationwide um you know e-commerce has been an amazing part of the business and it's continued to grow and honestly right now it's it's what's keeping us alive because you know even though grocery stores are selling more than they ever have during the coronavirus their tea is not considered an essential food good yeah and so they're not restocking our products so we, we used to get you know, 30 or 40 purchase orders a month from grocery stores. And it's in, in March, we got zero and April so far we've gotten zero. So it's, it's really been the online consumers that have kept us going. Um, so yeah, it's been kind of wild times, but it's been fun. Um, I'm super excited about the coffee products because even though the, the tea is, we've won four medals from the global tea championship and that's, that's a fun little process. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> Thank you. You know, have you ever seen the movie Bottle Shock? No, not yet. No. Okay. So it was probably 15 years ago, but it, it basically, it, it's a comedy about when a California winery won it back in the seventies, they won the a French wine tasting championship and it was a blind taste test. And so the movie is hilarious, but basically at the end of the movie, these judges learn that they just awarded a California wine as the best and beating out the French. <laughs> So again, a super funny movie, but that's basically what happened to us. So the, the lady who ran it gave me, she sent me an email and then she called me afterwards and she's like, Jim, this was a really interesting, I wish you had been here to witness it. But basically this global tea championship, they have tea sommeliers that are trained in tasting and cupping tea and they get, it's a blind taste test. So they just get served cups of tea and they rate it and grade it and then give awards. And so we had four awards that were given to us and they've i mean they've, when the judges found out that what they just gave was an award a medal to a, an instant tea it was like pandemonium like <laughs> what this there's no way this could be an instant tea so yeah oh that's yeah. awesome i yeah. wish you were there to see that too yeah that'd be priceless well on a much smaller scale i'm doing that for your coffee you jim is very kind and sent over not only his coffee instant coffee but other companies so i've been uh, I have a little bit of background in coffee. I have my own coffee line with my brother-in-law and I, I was a barista back in, you know, a long time ago. So I, I like coffee quite a bit. Yeah. So I'm looking yeah. forward to doing the, my homemade version of that cupping. Um, Good. So yeah, it'll be great. So far, um, like I said, I've had four of your coffees and lemon coffee is fantastic too. Sweet. But how, how amazing is that that your instant tea beat out some of the other teas yeah. and like in more than once? That's incredible. Yeah. It's a testament yeah. to how good it is. And I can tell everybody how good it is. Cause I've been drinking it for three years, but it is that good. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, that's probably my biggest challenge as a business has been getting people to try the product because mm -hmm. once they try it, they're people get it. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, when they, people hear the term instant, they think it's not going to taste as good. Right. 
and so that it's just a challenge and then instant tea there, there when you go to a grocery store there is no instant tea section so we get put next to tea bags and so we're trying to compete with tea bags that are less expensive mm-hmm. and then we're trying to tell people that an instant is going to taste good so that's you know I've, we've struggled once we figured out that getting people to try it is the secret to our success, then that's why e-commerce is doing so well. So we have this free sample pack program where people can try our caffeinated teas or our herbal teas or all 12 flavors. They pay a small shipping and handling fee just so that we can get it to them, but the tea is free. And our conversion, we have 35% conversion from when people get the sample pack to place their next order. And you know- That's great. So it's like the gift that keeps on giving. So yeah. I, I've told that statistic to other food brands and they say that's just phenomenal. Like nobody sees a 35% conversion. No, we are. Good for you, Jim. That's, that's well-deserved. And you know, on a little bit of background, I help out a, a local food uh, company, Four Points Bar. You know, they're made oh, here yeah. as well. Yeah, I, I love, love those Kevin. bars. He's amazing. Yeah, Kevin, yeah, Kevin and Patrick, are, they're great people. Uh, the, during this whole coronavirus uh, quarantine, I'm sending them the workouts to do with their kids at home. And, you know, it's, it was cool seeing what they did this morning for their workout. But like, like what you're doing, just getting people to, to try the product. And then yeah. people were like, oh, this is fantastic. And then yeah. it's cool seeing your stuff at, at our King Super down the street. Um, and then seeing their four points bars at the REI and stuff. And then just sampling at yeah. events. And you're so good about that. Like um, last outdoor retailer, I think you're handing out like some peach tea and, you know, yeah. keeping us all jacked and it was delicious, you know? Yeah, so, that's good the secret. It is. Thank you. you. Try, and I think there's a for a lot of businesses can take away that too, uh, like a f- free to fee. You know, like just get the service or product in the people's hands or see how yeah. valuable it is, and then that conversion rate is fantastic. I wish it was yeah. that for other businesses, but you know that's that's how you earn yeah. their value and their trust. Uh, especially well, one of the things you know for other businesses that might be listening to this too, we found that by having I was worried about having a shipping and handling fee. Um, I did try the program as completely free and our conversion rates were not nearly that 35%. And what we ended up figuring out is that uh, there are a lot of freebie hunters out there. No offense Mm -hmm. to anyone, but there's a lot of people that just like free stuff and they're not really interested in buying something. So even I, I recommend having a small fee, a testing fee that it's basically, it gets somebody to have a small commitment. Once they've had a small commitment, like, Hey, I spent three bucks on shipping and handling the chance that they're going to come back and buy it again. We found is a lot higher. So don't be afraid. That's great advice. And that's yeah. fantastic. I've heard that from a lot of other people as well. For example, in the fitness industry, um, I, I literally made my $300 online mountain fitness program free over Christmas and, and Hanukkah. I gave it yeah. away. Yeah. And nobody, nobody did anything with it. I charge, yeah. you know, a small fee for it and people jump on it, you know? Yeah, so it's, it's yeah, worth something. It is right. People, if they get something for free completely, it's almost devalued yeah. to them because they don't have skin in the game. So yeah. that's great advice. I'm glad it worked for you. Everybody else I know who does charge something to, to, to for the transaction always benefits. So yeah. it's good to hear it works for you too. Yeah. Well, that's really crazy. Um, you know, this, I've been fortunate to talk to a lot of businesses last several weeks during this whole um, coronavirus and seeing how they're uh, pivoting and adapting. And you're the first uh, food product person I've talked to. So it's interesting. I'm really glad you have your e- e-commerce going so well. Yeah. Um, that's, that's very huge. Um, what other things have you done to pivot during this uh, unique time? Yeah. I mean, I, I'd say one of the things that I, it's not all rosy is that I had to lay off a couple staff members. Mm-hmm. Um, just to reduce our expenses for now. So 
it was a little bit of a perfect storm for us that one of our investors um, kind of imploded and didn't give us the money that they owed us. And so that combined with the, like a lot of the capital markets are drying up now. So it's not as easy to find angel investors or venture capitalists to help fund the company. So it was about three or four weeks ago that I said, I have to reduce expenses, hunker down and get the business to profitability as quick as possible. Mm -hmm. Like food brands are a bit different than other companies. Like it's, it's pretty expensive business. It's things that most customers probably don't realize, but I'll give you an example. So we are in Safeway Denver. So they've got 187 stores in order to get our products in Safeway Denver. I had to give Safeway two cases, which is 12 boxes of tea, two cases per store per flavor just to get on their shelves. And so if we have five flavors, it's basically I'm giving away 10 cases per store times 187 stores. So it ended up being like almost $40,000 worth of cost for yeah. me to just get on the shelf. And, you know, certain food products like uh, potato chips or, you know, ready to drink beverages, they move at a lot higher velocity than tea does. Like on average, tea moves a half unit per store per week. So it's a pretty slow moving product, but when you're in that many stores, it can add up, but that initial cost is huge. And so a lot of food brands, you know, we're, we built in the early days, we're built on, on investment money so that we can get ourselves on the shelf because it's so expensive to get on the shelf. And then it can take, you know, it'll take 18 months for us to break even on Safeway Denver, Safeway Denver's business. So I've, you know, as part of the pivot that we've done is that we're, I'm really pulling back on a lot of those free fill situations in grocery stores. And there are some really great grocery chains that don't require that slotting fee, where some of them still do. So we're pivoting away from the, in the accounts that it's going to take a long time to get a return on the investment. And then we're really doubling down on e-commerce. Um, I think that there, there's so many benefits to e-commerce with our product in particular, it's very light to ship. So we can ship one box profitably to somebody and not charge them an arm and a leg. If you're a, you know, a, a kombucha or something, it's just heavy and it's going to yeah. cost you a fortune to ship it to people. So we're fortunate with that. And then on, people are shifting online anyway. And now I think with all this coronavirus, it's just going to um, magnify even once people can go out safely again, I think that the convenience with online shopping will continue. Mm -hmm. And then the other benefit is that we can give the product to the customer at a cheaper price. That it may, another thing that people probably don't realize is that there are multiple middlemen to get it to the grocery store shelves. And so that. like, we don't sell it directly to King Supers. We sell it to a distributor and that distributor takes 28 to 30% markup. Then they sell it to King Supers and King Supers takes 40 to 50% markup. So wow. you've got like 70 to hundred percent markup just to get it to the shelves wow. where I can sell direct to the customer for the exact same price that I sold it to the distributor for and save the customer hundred percent of the cost. Wow. That's really cool. Thank you for explaining how that works. I, I've always wondered, you know, there's companies uh, like True or, or Golight back in the day, direct to consumer. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Able to give the customer a better price. It's just getting the name out there and getting in front of people. That's the hard part is there's a lot of noise, like trying to yeah. grow a business e-commerce. Like when you hear, oh yeah, you can give it to a better price. It sounds like a no brainer. Why wouldn't everybody do that? But the, it's been three years for us to build up our e-commerce business. And now it's starting to fire on all cylinders, but three years is a long time. And yeah. 
you got to pay a lot of money in Facebook and Instagram advertising just to get people to know who you are. So that's the downside is that you can get it. You can go to a thousand grocery stores and all of a sudden you've got a thousand grocery stores that are selling your products and customers that are seeing your products there versus how long would it take for you to get that same number of eyeballs e-commerce a long time. It would. Yeah. That's a very good point. Uh, And back to your earlier topic about, businesses going online, it, it's been really cool to see a lot of businesses go online, not just with uh, products, but services too. Yeah. For example, um, you know, you, you train, uh, your gym probably closed down like everything else. I had three gyms closed in one day and I'm like, yeah. you know, I had to take a deep breath, you know, <laughs> meditate on like, all right, this is challenging, but you know what? There's still the customers and the clients and the, the students that need service. So then yeah. you embrace the online and you give it to them. And then it's been, for, for my businesses at least, that first week was really unique. Like, Oh, how do we use zoom? And like, where do you put your laptop for the client? You know, but now it's very enjoyable. And actually something I'll probably keep on my, on my uh, services moving forward because now I can give service to people outside of this metro area. And uh, it's been really helpful, but you know, for a lot of people, they can't offer the like services like chiropractors and physical therapists we work with directly, like trying to help them shift their businesses too. It's, it's been a unique learning challenge the last few weeks and, and there probably will be for several more. Yeah. Everybody's hurting in different ways right now. Yeah, that's true. It's my wife is a nurse practitioner. And so she's been at the front lines of a lot of this. And yeah. so, um, yeah, it's been really challenging for her. And so she's, she's been able to shift some of her business to just being teleconference and video conference, but some of it is still just requires to be in person. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's wild wow. times. Well, my heart goes out to her and, and to you. This, this she's time right amazing. Now. So yeah. it's, it's to her really <laughs> but <laughs> because her, of her, please. I was trying to figure out like, what can I do as a small business and we're going through our own financial struggles right now, but what mm-hmm. can I do to help support and give back? And so one of the things we did is that for all, all the tea that we sell um, right now, I've said it through the end of April and I'll just keep extending it as long as this crisis goes on, but we're giving 10% of all of our sales back to healthcare workers in the form nice. of free coffee and tea. So, so people good. can nominate any healthcare facility and we'll, we'll supply a hospital wing, a hospital floor with free coffee and tea. And, That's you know, so a little good. caffeine can do something, right? Oh, I thought it does. that the guys at Four Points are doing that too. Like, yeah. just give bars. Like, it's just something small we can do. Yeah. Good for you, Jen. That's, that's so great. And it's on your website right there. Um, that's very helpful. Yeah. And caffeine. <laughs> very helpful stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, like you said, you know, everybody's feeling this in a way. My wife works in HR and uh, she's now working from home and it's kind of fun. We had just built a home office inside our other bedroom in our condo. It's also our home gym. So we take turns using it. So okay. she'll go in there and do our meetings. And then like, I get to be loud right now doing the podcast and then she'll have our conference. And so it's yeah. been fun uh, working from home. But like you said, they're going through some major stuff. They just, they had to trim back some things and that's a lot of businesses are doing that, you know, I've talked to people who have uh, buildings that they lease out, how they're trying to handle it. I talked to people who have leases and how they're trying to handle it. And yeah, we're all just trying to manage how to move forward with it. Yeah. And one of the best pieces of advice that I got was I was feeling really bad about doing layoffs and I still do. I still like, it's hard for me not to take it as a personal failure, but somebody reminded me that we don't do any good if we don't survive. Like, right. If the company's not around, then nobody gets to keep their jobs. So Mm-hmm. You know, the, I think that the government's response as far as the, the payroll protection program that they mm-hmm. released, it's like, I hope that it all comes through, you know, millions of us applied for it all at once. I don't know anybody oh, yeah. that's actually gotten the money yet. Um, I hope that it comes through because that will be really helpful. 
Um, but we'll see if it happens. It was a bit chaotic, right? <laughs> it was. I Where applied. I oh my gosh. Last Monday, I applied. Then I thought I went through, then it didn't. I applied again on Friday, then it didn't. Then I tried on this Monday, and then I just did it again before this, this podcast. And I'm like, okay. Then I, I did the other one. So I did the payment protection one. I did the other one with the $10,000 up bump yeah, up front. And, the IDL. Um, yep, yep. And I think uh, you and I were both on the SIA uh, webinar today too. And, you know, that, that nice law firm went through and broke it down in good detail. Because um, I'm, I'm a, you know, it's just me, my business. So I'm pretty easy to work with, but... Uh, it's, there's a lot of hoops, a lot of, a lot of chaos, a lot of filing. Hopefully it yeah. all works out. And if it does, I mean, that could really help you and me and all the people we serve and just yeah. move forward. So we're not like totally screwed. Yeah. It'll keep a lot of the small businesses, I think in business and keep people employed, which is what we want to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now it's already, I don't remember what the, I think it's like 12 or 15 million Americans applied for unemployment and mm-hmm. You know, it's probably, we're probably halfway through this. So we're probably going to end up with 20 to 30 millions of Americans unemployed. And so I I do appreciate the programs because in theory, if, even though we've had to reduce staff, but once people can get back to work is if, if they can keep the businesses in business, then we can rehire people relatively quickly. Yep. That's a very good point. You know, uh, back in 2008, I think it was the law firm I worked at did layoffs, but when they got things back, they hired back at least half the people. Yeah. And, you know, it worked out. And also, it was a good reason to get rid of some slackers. <laughs> <laughs> some dead weight. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of that in any business, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I hope it all works out. And I think you're right. I think a lot of people, too, are still in shell shock. Like, people like you and me, yeah. I, I like challenges. I like to problem solve. And I like to talk to people like you and see what you're doing. And what can we take away from this conversation and share with others and get people just, you know, growing. Um, there's still people who are still learning. And there's still people who are still in just you know, defeat. And uh, yeah. once they hopefully pull themselves out, they'll start hopefully applying for unemployment or the payroll protection. And yeah, those numbers will probably at least double, if not triple. Yep. Hopefully yeah. they come to that point. Totally. Well, um, totally. Well, so your gym is closed. Is that the Alpine Training Center? Is that where you go? I do. Yeah. Do you know Connie? I am so aware of her, but I've never met her in person. Okay. Yeah. yeah She's amazing. Yeah, I train at the Alpine Training Center here in Boulder. It's kind of, you know, a mixture of CrossFit and mountain athletics. So Mm -hmm. it's not just straight up CrossFit, although the movements are somewhat similar, but there's a little bit more of an endurance focus um, and mountain athletics athletics focus, which I kind of like because I'm not looking to get like jacked and big muscles, but I want to be able to have big, long days. And so I started going there three years ago when I was building Kusa T. And I would say like hats off to her because I, it has helped keep me sane through so many challenges of a small business that being able to work out three times a week, it's a maximum of eight students per class. And so we know I always go to the Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8am. And so you get to know the same athletes that are there. And, you know, she's been doing like at home classes too during this, which has been great. Uh, I would say like, I, I've heard some people be like, oh, yeah, the, the gym industry is going to die after this because everyone's going to realize that they can pay far less for it and do it from home. I think that's absolutely bogus. No way. Yeah. Like the majority of the reason that I go there is because of the community and yep. people to, that push you and the coaches that push you to be harder and faster and stronger than you would have been if you were doing it at home on your carpet. There's yeah. no way. I'm glad to hear from you because I'm a little bit biased in this, Yeah, <laughs> you know, cause I wanted to, to survive and you're right. Everybody I've talked to as well, they cannot wait. I mean, it's fun to do the interaction and fortunately everybody I train, uh, the first thing I'm like, you got to get a TRX and you're like, 
couple of kettlebells just to, yeah. to have at home, right? Or in your truck. And so most of my students are they're good to go, but not everybody was prepared for this. They're all freaking out. I, I was looking over at Rep Fitness, which is a local fitness company, make great products. They're sold out like everything. All my neighbors are like, what am I going to do for my home gym? I'm like, it, you're too late. Too late. <laughs> Too late, man. We've got to improvise some cinder blocks and pull-up bars here, but uh, we're all doing the best we can. And uh, as a small business owner myself, too, like fitness in the mountains, like that's that's my sanctuary where I go to heal and work yeah. through stuff. So, so like you, spend a lot of time in the mountains, and you're a, you're a skier, I would assume. Yep, I am. Uh -huh. nice, you know, it's nice. kind of funny when I so. Uh, I don't know, it was back in 2010, I was working for Good Belly, the probiotic juice drink, and those are sold in grocery stores. And I had a headhunter reach out to me and they said, hey, do you have any interest in looking at a position in the outdoor industry? And I said, you know, honestly, that's the industry that seemed like the perfect fit for me because mm -hmm. it's a mixture. It's got, it has business and sales and marketing like I was looking for, but it's also all the things that I love to do outside. And so then they told me that, well, it's a position with DinaFit. Can you ski? And at that time I was a snowboarder. Oh, really? And so when I interviewed for the position, they were like, well, we're actually about to acquire a rock climbing brand. So they they acquired wild country. And so I was, yeah. I'm a big climber. So that was actually a benefit. They were like, well, the fact that you're a climber is fine. Um, that's, we, we really want somebody that has a lot of technical expertise because all of our sales team, they're more skiers. So they didn't have as much rock climbing experience, but then at the end of the interview, they're like, but you're still going to have to learn to ski. <laughs> and I was like, all right, like might as well. And so I just got thrown to the wolves. Like, yeah. like literally the first day out on backcountry skis, it was an 18 inch powder day up in Vancouver. And they were supposed to take me to a ski resort and we were just going to go up the trails and then come down. But then all, all we were with one of the major retailers, MEC. And so the buyer at MEC was like, there's no way we're wasting 18 inches of powder to ski down groomed runs. So they like took <laughs> yeah. me back country and we went down like a 40 degree tree slope in 18 inches of powder. Wow. That's my first experience. Truly thrown to the wolves. That's aggro. <laughs> And then, yeah, anyway, now it's been 10 years and um, I, I can pretty much get down anything. It may not look as pretty as some of the guys that grew up skiing, but uh, um, yeah, I've, I've, done, I've done some expeditions in the Himalayas skiing. Um, we skied Rainier two years ago, me and two buddies. Wow. So yeah, that, that's how I like to spend my time. Yeah, you're capable for sure. Wow, that's so cool. I am- um, Ben Rainier? No, no, I've been out to uh, Glacier, Washington for the Baker okay. Splitboard Festival, which put him like two weeks ago, but obviously didn't happen. Um, I've not, I've only seen Shuxon, okay. which is really majestic mountain. It's so pretty. Yeah. That whole maritime snowpack too, it, it, it's so much different than we have here with the continental so snowpack, right? Like yeah. we have beautiful snow, really dangerous snow. Yeah, really <laughs> so, dangerous. <laughs> so, but uh, it can get deep and fluffy and stay that way for weeks at a time where oh, out yeah. there it's like cement like oh so like heavy it, it skis or it snows 18 inches but you're still only skiing on three inches of powder good, <laughs> or yeah, soft good snow because everything else just consolidates down yeah we do have a good eye here and uh you're in the group too right the backcountry ski and yep. snowboard group yeah that's been a lot of fun uh i was asked to join that back when we had like 600 people i think and now okay. we're just shy at 8,000 people. It's crazy. It's nuts. I, luckily there's five of us total moderating it you know and admitting um had to 
kick some people out. People get surly, especially the last three weeks being up home with too drunk and too much keyboard wire stuff, but yeah. it tends to happen. But fortunately, there's been a lot of great people in that community to, to meet up and link up and find new yeah. zones. Like I have my zones I go to. And I'm sure you do too. Of course. Yeah, I won't tell anybody to. where they are though. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> no, mine are pretty easy. Um, but it's nice to like meet new people and get turns in and um, have some tea and share some some crazy food in the mountains. And uh, we do yeah. have a very good eye here in the sunshine. It's we're very fortunate out here. I know it's killing me right now. I mean, I, I want to be there. I am going, I am responsible. Like I, good. Like spring, my spring skiing, it's my favorite time to go. No mm -hmm. hands down because there's so many lines that are just, they're not safe. And so, you know, I'm, I'm 40 years old. I don't have a death wish. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I was pretty crazy when I was younger and now I would prefer to ski lines that are safe. And so I'm, I'm not going to ski some of these lines in the middle of winter but then all of a sudden mm -hmm. in april it's like everything salt solidifies and it's like yeah. perfect time to ski these steeper lines and so it's killing me not to be out there now but oh, it's the right move i'm glad to hear that jim we're, we're going back and forth in our group about that too how do we address this you know proactively and we all took the stance that you know just please stay home stay in your county don't don't put people like your wife at risk you know exactly. just be responsible and um it was pretty well received, actually. You know, friends of birthday pass reshared it, and then Nine News reshared it, and so people, by and large, I think are doing the right thing. And I hear you. I've got freaking five split boards right there on the wall, just waiting to be used, maybe in June. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, if not, that's totally fine. Um, I'm missing the mountains a lot myself. I'm up there, fortunately, up twice a week with my dogs camping and testing gear, drinking your tea, drinking vodka at night, and yeah, having a great time. You know, um, so I feel you, but it makes me appreciate what we do have when we get to go back and do it for sure. Yeah. So yeah, it'll come around. It will come around people. It's always funny. Like all these hardcore skiers that are like, they're going out in October and November and the, the snowpack is awful and you're hitting rocks every turn. <laughs> yeah. And like, where are all you crazy skiers or you, you so-called like backcountry enthusiasts in June, July, and August when there's still a lot of fun lines to ski and they're oh, all stable sure. and safe. Yeah. So I, I highly doubt that this is going to go that long. And so, hopefully not knock hopefully on wood not. but yeah yeah i mean we'll be i've already got some missions planned with friends in july and august if we can do them oh cool i'll be very curious about that i know where i'm going in june my favorite place i'll, I'll just go on the record coon hill i just love going up there it's Coon's awesome great. it's a great place coon's great it, it's so pretty it's so majestic and I, I go to my name, I need a new business because they have cell phone service. I actually refinanced our condo up there two years ago on the mountain. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying to multitask here. Dude, I, but, I love the north side of Coon Hill. Like there's yeah. so many of those shoots that go down in the basin that are, you know, short, but fun. Right. Uh, they're, they're so much fun. Well, so I'll hopefully get up there with you in June and July. Have some yeah. fun up there. Have you skied um, the Northwest Kular on Radio Beacon Hill? Not yet. Nope. That one is awesome. It's like starts out at like 50 degrees and then goes through a little choke, like one turn choke. You kind of just have to point it and go. Um, and then it opens up, up again. So it's, that's a really fun one. Cool. You know, I get made fun of a lot because I keep going to the same spots. And I, I do like mild runs, you know, yeah. but um, I do like getting after it. So yeah, I'll keep that on the radar. That's a good one. Let's do it. Let's do it, Jim. Well, I, I've learned a lot sharing the stuff with you and hopefully the listeners have too. And I know they have, and um, not just with tea and coffee, but you know, how, how a small business is adapting, what you're yeah. doing, how it's actionable for our listeners. For and sure. um, ah, there's a lot to take away from this conversation. And I, I appreciate your time. I think for yeah, being honest and you. open about how the background works and stuff. It's very helpful. 
Yeah, for sure. And for your listeners, you know, there's been so much on social media about supporting local companies and buying gift cards and buying takeout food. And, you know, that I think in buying from small businesses online, and those really are the lifeblood for us right now. And so unfortunately, there's a lot of people that lost their jobs and they're losing some of their spending power as well. But there's a lot of people that are still in work and they're at home. And and I just want to say that to listeners, like it really matters when people do that for yes. us and it's been it's been keeping us alive and then when we come back it'll be even better like we'll be able to grow and rehire and continue that growth but we can't do anything if people don't support us during this time well said and i'm gonna have links to uh Kusati, uh on the podcast as well Thank and you. um yeah and i'm not just like saying this because you're on the show but i really do love your product and i, I drink it all the time and i i always hand out it's really good stuff so listeners trust me it's really good it won't go wrong thanks sean i can't wait to hear the coffee results though that's uh, the one yeah i'm excited i'm gonna have to probably carry over until tomorrow to finish all the coffee because i think there's like five or six different flavors and then uh, yeah. yeah a lot of coffee <laughs> yeah we're doing we have five flavors and I, I did that because uh, people have so many different flavor profiles and I've, I've noticed that's really different than tea drinkers. Tea drinkers like English breakfast is pretty much English breakfast and mm -hmm. you don't have um, as many variations in coffee. There's just like some people like light and nutty and flavorful and some people like it like motor oil. And so yeah. I think that was the hardest thing for me is trying to figure out, okay, at first I was just going to launch one or two, types and then i would give it out to people i'd give yeah we, we had a light and a medium roast and i would give it to people and half the responses were this is taste amazing and the other half was like well you know i want something that puts hair on my chest and you're like okay <laughs> so then we have to come out with some other like dark roast products and but that is different than most other instant coffee companies they usually just have one one mm -hmm. type so for us we've got five different ones so i can't wait to hear what your favorite favorite one is and then how we stack up against all the other products in the market i'm excited too because you have some good competition you sent me over um good ones like legit you know so it's me really For fun sure. to, to find out so i'll have those results up uh, probably by this weekend well jim thank you very much Thanks, for Sean. what you do and uh give my love to you your wife for her hard work during this crazy time i will thanks awesome, for all man. you do man i appreciate you i'll talk to you soon all right talk to you soon